And here comes Milwaukee, Forbes, another three. Oh, no! <laughs> this is the Random Scrooby Podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Random Scrub Heat Podcast. I'm your gracious host, LJ Cascon, and I'm greeted with just me and Harry today. Hot take, Harrison. How you doing, Harry? Happy to have you. I'm good. I'm good. Just, uh, you know, another wonderful Sunday adventure with the Heat. So, um, you know, Off on great. another Miami Heat basketball adventure, and they're all becoming nightmares. We're, we're doing things a little bit different on this episode. Uh, we have some pretty big things planned for the next episode, which will drop later on in the week. We just wanted to get something out for you guys because we have been slacking a little bit here, but we're just mainly focusing on uh, the Charlotte Hornets game that just took place on Sunday. So we're going to kind of analyze that, dissect that a little bit, and we're going to start with some positives that we saw. Um, there weren't many, but the ones that we saw were kind of expected status quo positives, if you can call them that, if you wanted to put a label on it, was which is Jimmy coming out playing – pretty well throughout the entirety of the game. Um, the other positive that we'll get to in a little bit too, which was not throughout the entirety of the game, was Tyler Hero. He was good as well. But to start with Jimmy, 28 points. He was a plus five in a game where you lost by five. It's 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 tough to kind of just hone in on a plus minus for this reason specifically right here was um, when you look at just the plus minuses, Kyle Lowry was a plus 11. So you can kind of throw away plus and minuses out the window. I guess, but no, Jimmy, Jimmy played well. He was 11 to 14 from the floor. Um, really, really high volume, efficient game from Jimmy six for seven from the line. He was the only heat player getting to the line. No one else on the team took more than four free throws. No one else on the team made more than three free throws. Um, good game from Jimmy leading rebounder as well. He's the only one that really wanted to play at 1 PM on a Sunday. It looked like um, the other positive that we kind of touched on too was Tyler Hero. 24 points, good box score game from Tyler from that sense too of him just going in. He started off hot in the first half. He was pretty much on from three for most of the game, two shot over 50% from three, hitting five of them. Five of his nine made field goals were from three, and then he didn't shoot pretty well anywhere else other than three. Harry, what did you see from tonight's game that at least put a little smirk on your face, I guess? Um, so I thought the first half was interesting because they were able to score quite a lot of points without a lot of threes. I think it was like four, four or five threes attempted in the first half, which is obviously very unlike this heat team. So the fact that they were able, I, I, I want to, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think they're up by four. I think it was like 62, 58 at the half. So the fact that they were able to put up 62 points, um, without really, taking a lot of threes, I thought was a positive thing. You're like, okay, they're getting the shots they want. Um, they're not settling because the problem with this heat team this season has been really settling for threes. And that was their only option. And at the rate they've hit them this year, um, it's just not, it hasn't been an, and just has, has not been good offense for them. So I thought the first half offensively was fine. Um, I figured that they would, kind of keep up that pace and hopefully close out the game. Um, Jimmy's at that point. I saw a funny tweet. I, I wish I could credit who I, I saw it from, but basically Jimmy's at the point of the season where he's like um, Jim VP again. So, he, you know, he spends about the first 45 games, just you're not sure if he does even likes basketball. Uh, and then he's, you know, he's got a good, um, you know, 30 to 35 game stretch at the end of the year. We were like, okay, this guy is legitimately like a top 10 player in the league. And then, the postseason arrives and Jimmy is, you know, one of the best players on the court at all times. So we're kind of at that stage where it's like um, he's doing what he's what he can for the team. Um, we're just kind of finding out that 
this roster, this construction, and not finding out, but just like we are continually reminded that this iteration, this build is not enough. We knew that last season. Um, we spoke about it. We were not trying to be, at least you and I, listen, everyone else has different agendas and what they want to do. Like you and I are not trying to be overly negative when we talk about this stuff. We just, we call the game like we see it. We explain what we think works with the team. We explain what we think really doesn't work whatsoever. And so, yeah, you had Jimmy, um, really, really good game. You had Tyler pretty good in the first half. I think he made his first four three-pointers, which has been tough for him. He's really been short on everything since he came back from a combination of injury and having a second kid. And he was also short in the second half too. So not sure if just like the stamina is not there for him or he can only give you that concerted effort for one half. But I mean, to be honest, those were like, those were the kind of positives. I I didn't think it was a great bam game. Um, The bench was horrific, like horrific. Oh no! You want you want to talk about the bench? I know. I just said you can't read it in the plus minus the bench. Let let me read this off for you. Orlando Robinson negative ten, Gabe Vincent negative sixteen, Max Struess negative fourteen, Victor Oladipo. Not really fair to him because of the people he was out there on the court with. Because he actually did have a pretty good, well-rounded game. Negative four. You you're not going to win in the NBA with zero depth. Do you remember the memes from last year where it was like when she tells you to go deeper and you're already Miami Heat deep? And it was just, it was so great to have that be like, wow, we have so many guys we can plug in and play. That that was this, that was last year. That's not this year. You need more because what all those double-digit negatives in a game you lose by five points against an actively tanking team, mind you, but that is a game that screams winnable and screams needing to win because next up you have Cleveland. Who's absolutely blowing the doors off of uh, the Clippers tonight too. That's a team that you are trying to catch in the standings. You need that win against Cleveland to retroactively make up for this game against the Hornets because you just don't have the depth. You don't have the bodies to be able to throw out there to continually compete. Jimmy's playing great. Like you said, it wasn't a great bam game. But in the first half, it was a great Bam first half. He had nine in the first half. He ended with 17. But again, Bam was one for four from the free throw line. He needs to be better shooting there too. I I, I was at the game, so I know what I'm talking about. I saw it. He was driving a lot and he was getting hit. He just wasn't getting the whistle. That just seems to be the theme with NBA officials always, but more so this year is they've been a little inconsistent just to put it nicely. I know I talked to you before we hit record about the Hornets had committed one foul in the second half prior to the last like five or so minutes of the fourth quarter. That's not the reason the heat lost whatsoever because not having or having the refs kind of not blow the whistle in your favor against an actively tanking lottery team should not be enough to sink you. If you are contending the way that the Miami heat front office tells us they're contending, that should not sink you in a game. You should be able to beat a team that bad. Even though if, even if you're not getting the benefit of the whistle, they weren't getting that tonight and they, they allowed that to kind of play into their, their body language too. They weren't getting calls and they were letting it affect them. I could see that in person that they were letting that kind of affect them. Bam was throwing his arms up when he was going down low and getting hacked. Admittedly, he was getting hacked. That plays into the way that their offense tries to operate too, because as you and I have both harped on too, this is not an NBA offense when it comes to shooting the three. 
They are one of the worst. They are bottom five in the league when it comes to shooting the three. That shrinks the court. When you can't stretch the floor, people are going to crowd the paint. It's just what they're going to do. They're going to crowd the paint, and then they're going to just hone in. Bam was trying to drive. It wasn't working. So they were just crowding him, forcing him to pass out, knowing nobody was going to shoot. Bam was trying to take it into his own hands to admittedly go up and try to just, you know, end the run that the Hornets got on in that third quarter. He wasn't able to do it. He was getting hit. And as a player, if you're going to the rim and you're getting hit constantly and you're not getting the whistle, you're going to kind of shy away from constantly going to the rim just so your body doesn't take those hits and you're not getting to the line anyway. So it is a little difficult. Um, but so you, what, what are some of the, the things that you saw tonight that kind of irked you a little bit minus, you know, a consistent issue of three point shooting? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little frustrated actually. Like I know he's not the guy that we should probably be picking on because I think he really has helped to heat the season, but, um, Oladipo has really started to struggle from the field over the last few games. And I'm not sure if like teams are just kind of adjusting to him and kind of knowing what he wants to do. And so making his life a little bit harder, um, he started to, to struggle. I think he was four of 12 from the field today. Um, I didn't think he had a particularly bad game, but I just like, I really don't like um, Caleb Martin, in the starting lineup. I didn't like it from the beginning. It's just not his game. I think a lot of, he seems to have really worn down a bit this year. And I think that's just him guarding bigger defenders. The truth is like Caleb should be guarding one through three. That's kind of his bread and butter, uh, bread and butter. He has the length um, to disturb point guards and shooting guards. And then he's long enough to defend um, a decent amount of wings in the NBA. And I just think asking him to defend bigger guys and taking that pounding is just not conducive for him to do well. Um, you know, Orlando Robinson is Orlando Robinson. I, you know, when he has a nice game, you got to give him credit when he doesn't, I don't know what else we expect from him. We, you know, he's not, he's not doing that much. And, um, I don't know. Struess and Vincent are just tough because you really kind of want them to like come in and play good basketball, hopefully shoot well. And they neither one shot bad. I just think you're like, you're not getting a ton from them. And in this game specifically, like, you know, they gave up 122 points to the Hornets uh, team that I believe is 29th in the NBA in offense. And it just wasn't working for them tonight. That's kind of what I think people are frustrated with. They look at the box score and they're like, he scored 117. Um, for a team that's the lowest scoring team in the NBA. Um, and they give up 122 to a Hornets team that is bottom of the league in offense, can't hit threes. And as we all know, they're actively tanking. I'm, I'm, we're, we're both pretty positive. They're going to be sellers at the trade deadline in, in, uh, in about, I think we're 12 days away at this point. So, um, just a stupid, like you just kind of look at this stuff and you're thinking to yourself, man, these are just, these are dumb losses. It's not that it's not that you should just like go out and expect to beat these teams, but you should, I think against tanking teams, you should play well enough where like midway through the third, they're down by 20 and they're like, look guys, this ain't our year. Like, and they just kind of pack it in. But well, against the heat, you know, they, uh, the offense gets a little tight. Um, I think the, I think the Hornets went on a run at the end of the third where they outscored us by 18 points once we were up by um 13 to go up by five heading into the fourth. And then it got worse. I think the Heat were down by like 11 before. Um, so that's a 24-point turnaround <laughs> in a short amount of time. 
And I think that's also what we should talk about too. And I want to get your thoughts as well. Is just like, what do you, what's going on with the coaching and the staff? Why isn't anyone telling Spo like, Hey man, I understand that you want Jimmy to come in and you want Jimmy Bam and Tyler to close the game and be rested. But you know, if they're down by, if they're down by nine points when they come in in the fourth quarter on the road, I don't really care who they're playing. That's a tough game to win at that point. Um, and the fact that it's just like, he's really, you know, we know this about Spo. He's stubborn. He's stuck to his guns a lot, but you know, what do you think in bench and Jimmy and Bam as your, you know, the, I think they were up by, I believe the stat was they were up by one when they sat them. So it was 81 80. And then by the end of the quarter, they were down by five. And then by the time they got them back in, it was, it was even worse than that. So like, what do, what are we doing with this? Why can't he just realize that at this, with this team specifically, like you can't be sitting both of them at the same time. One of them has to be on the court. I, I agree. It's like, People that only listen to the podcast and don't know me would probably think that I hate Spo, and I don't. I've said it. I've literally reiterated. I've said this point multiple times. I've reiterated it a number of times that I think Spo is a top two coach in the league, and he's not number two. In my opinion, he's he is an incredible, incredible coach who is having a very bad year because he is just running out of ways to paint Picasso level pictures with like one color of paint. He does not have the necessary ingredients to be able to run what he wants to run. And as you said, Harry, too, he is stubborn. Um, that is a not a bad trait to have in a coach, admittedly. But when, when it's not working, it's kind of amplified. And he is a very, very, very good head coach who does happen to get stuck in his ways. And we saw it again today, like you said, too. When another team, when a bad team at that, like the Hornets is on a pretty big run, which was engineered by three point shooting. You don't deteriorate your defense by taking out your stars in favor of other players who are going to, like we said, give you negative double digit output on in the box score. He waited too long to put them back into the game. Cause like you said, they were down nine again. That's a tall ask in professional basketball to come back in on the road when you're down by nearly double digits in the fourth quarter and engineer a comeback. I, I don't care who you're playing. It, it is really, really tough. Kyle Lowry got fourth quarter minutes. And I, I didn't think Gabe Vincent was necessarily playing that bad, like you said, either. He, I don't really have much smoke for Gabe. He came in and hit some big shots to stop the Charlotte run in that third quarter. And then he, he had the same amount of, uh, not points, but at one point before Kyle got his garbage time points, in the fourth quarter, Gabe was kind of out producing him in a fraction of the minutes. It's, 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 it's head scratching, excuse me on why, why Kyle is getting some of the minutes he's getting now too, because I thought, I thought we were past this talking about Spo. I thought we were past giving him fourth quarter minutes when he doesn't do anything. What does this man do? I don't know. <laughs> what I'm about to say is, is, is crazy. Kyle Lowry, he had 11 points, which for him, on an output, an offensive output of double digits, usually you're going to say, awesome. Good for you. Here's your star sticker that says you tried. Good. But, and this is a this is a Kyle Lowry-sized but, so you know it's huge. He hit a garbage time three with like, I don't know, a minute left, and then he got fouled on a three with like 10 seconds left and hit all three free throws. Six of those 11 points came in the last minute of the game when the Heat were already down by 10. 
That's it. Do I have to say anything else? Like you're getting another single digit effort in meaningful minutes from Kyle Lowry. Three for 11. That's two for 10 if you're taking away the garbage time three. I know I'm kind of cherry picking, but again, I'm not, I'm not exactly inclined to include a, a garbage time three pointer with 10 seconds left. He was two for 10. I, I am encouraged that he was shooting more, but it just doesn't matter to me when he, he waits until the game is already kind of out of hand to kind of put the pedal to the metal, which was what he was originally brought here to do was to push pace. As funny as that is to say that a 30 something year old Kyle Lowry was brought in to push pace on a team that is <laughs> the worst in the league on offense again. I, I I'm just a little bit at a loss. I don't know where to go from here, but I feel like, Miami, we'll probably get into it more in the next episode too. I feel like they'll probably be buyers at the deadline. I, Whether that's the smart thing to do or not, I know Barry was talking about on Twitter too. It's like, do you punt on the season now? It's like a loss like this really does make the front office reevaluate where they're at. Because again, like you said before we hit record again, also, if the front office is really swayed that much by from a game to game basis, you probably shouldn't be in the front office of an NBA team anyway. You need to, I'm sure they're looking at more of the grand size of everything, the grand specter of the product that this year's Miami Heat has put forward. And it's not been great. It's consistently not been great against tanking teams. I mean, off the top of my head, what was it? It was uh, they lost to the Pistons. They've now lost to the Hornets. They've lost to the Spurs. I know I'm forgetting somebody. Who's another bottom feeder? You name it, they've lost to them. And that's just not good enough in games where – the heater, admittedly, because injury has really taken its toll on a lot of this the, the league, too. Because before today's game, I don't know what the rest of the league shakeout was. The Heat had the ninth best record prior to losing this game in the NBA. That's crazy to me. They still were a top 10 team record-wise in the NBA. And you're running out of games where Jimmy's going to sit. You're running out of games where you can make up easy ground on some of these teams that are only two or three games ahead of you. And this team needs with how they've played on the road, this team needs home court in the playoffs if they want a realistic shot at winning a round. Because that's where we're at when it comes to ex- expectations. It's If they get home court, yeah, they could probably squeak out a first-round win. But second round, I mean, that's out the window for me, Harry. Where, where do you sit kind of on the grand just overall picture of what this season has been so far? And when, Do you expect anything to really happen? Yeah, and the other thing I want to say, you mentioned some of the bad teams they lost to. I mean, remember, it's not only – it's not only some of these like absolute trash lottery teams they've lost to. Um, they lost to that. They lost to the Grizzlies where they sat like four or five starters. Um, they lost to the Lakers when no AD, no LeBron. They also they lost that game last year too. So, just think we've kind of had an issue where um, I don't know what it is or why it happens, but this Heat team just doesn't really get up for a ton of games, and um, they think they're just gonna. It's crazy that this team thinks they can just show up and win. Like they're not even, it's not like they're an elite three point shooting team. So they're like, okay, great. You know, we just got to hit some threes and we're going to, we're going to do this. Or it's not even like um, the defense overall has been decent this year. And I think that's where you got to give Spo a lot of credit, but the point of attack defense has not been good. Um, I know that I saw some tweets today. People were trying to say that Kyle was defense was good. It was like, the bar is in hell for this for this team and for Kyle Lowry. Like it is below the surface of the earth. Um, you cannot justify what you're seeing out there. I don't, and I know people talk about, oh, I don't like to look at the contracts. It doesn't bother. Listen, man, 
the, this all this stuff is combines together. The contract matters because the Heat are not a team that are going to go into the tax and are not going to spend a lot of money. So having a lot of money tied up in two guys that either don't play or play horrible, horrible when they're out there is a problem. Like it's just, you can deny it, but you are wrong. And like, that's objectively an issue. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, you want to be an optimist or you, like, that's a problem for this team in terms of my, like right now, if you're saying where are the heat going to be, I mean, they're going to win enough games to probably be uh, the six seed or higher. The truth is that if they're six or below, um, they're not winning the first round. They're not beating any of those teams above one through three. I don't care how it ends up. Or, I guess if you if you told me they were facing Philly, and you're telling me that Doc Rivers is going to beat Spo in a playoff series where we have like Jimmy and Bam, I, I don't know. I really don't trust Doc to win games that he's supposed to win or series where he's favored. Um, you know, guys blown all blown a ton of three one series and just an all time choker as a coach and really can't adjust. So that would be the only matchup if we were like below five where I would say uh, maybe. But to think that we're beating the Celtics, no way. Not the, Buc- the Bucks, no way. And I know they've kind of had an up and down year with injuries and no one knows if they don't care. Where, no. Um, This Heat team just has the same holes they've had for a while that they refuse to fill. Um. You know, we can give them credit for letting PJ Tucker go. That seemed to have been the right move. Uh, he's he's stinking it up in Philly, and I don't think the fans are happy with him here and there. But, um, you know, they found no replacement for him. They still need someone that can consistently um, break down the defense and open it up a little bit. I know there's obviously guys that I want that I think make sense for this team, but it's also how much are you willing to pay? Um what are teams looking for? So a lot. So this is kind of an interesting thing that we haven't talked about that much. But a lot of these guys um, that are available, or or quote, I'm going to put on quotes, available around the league, um, are not uh, are not expiring contracts. They have they have years left on their deal, uh, mostly next year. And so um, that means that the team is really in no rush to move them unless they like what the compensation is. So we'll look at guys that make sense for the Heat, like a. Uh, a boy on Bogdanovich or um, I'm trying to think of other really good fits. He's the best fit, I think offensively and they extended him. So there's like, yes, they would, you would think they get the most value now with a year and a half left on his deal essentially, but they don't have to move him. They could obviously move him at the draft or next season and still get a pretty good uh, haul for him. Um, so that's kind of where they're at. Like what are the, if they're going to be buyers, um, which we kind of think they are because I don't think I've ever remembered the Heat really being sellers. Uh, great, but what are they doing? Their their assets that they can move are essentially they have Deadman, uh, Deadman's expiring contract. They're going to try to move uh, Duncan's contract because it's just an, albat- an albatross, and they hope like a tanking team will take that on um, with Speaking some type of. of- not to interrupt you. Speaking of though, we saw that there might be some rumblings about Miami actually talking with Utah. So all that Pat Riley, Danny Ainge nonsense can go out the window. What was that trade for today, Harry? Did you like that? Possibly picking up, uh, you know, an old decrepit Rudy Gay, but then you're actually really getting back a, a nice piece in Colin Sexton that can kind of reinvigorate the offense. I know, I know you saw that on the timeline too. How, how do you feel about that? If that's kind of a possibility, is Miami giving up too much in that scenario? Um. I think it's kind of, so it's one of those things where you have to tell me uh, what the follow-up move is going to be. 
because they're not going to bring in uh, Sexton to sit behind Lowry. That doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Um, again, uh, there's a lot of other factors at play. Sexton is a client of Clutch, so that's something where he would obviously have to bury the hatchet there as well, which I think they eventually need to do regardless. But so there's just a, there's a lot of things at play. I don't know. You know, I don't know if that's someone just like spitballing or they have one source that they trusted and they ran with it. So my thought would be, uh, does Sexton make sense for this offense? Yes. Um, you know, if it's Duncan and a pick, I could probably be talked into that. Uh, my thing is this, and I think I'm just going to keep making this clear because I want people to understand. I want the team to get better. It doesn't necessarily mean they have to win the championship this season. Um Get better to the point where when you go into the offseason and you're looking at everything, and even if you still have Kyle on the roster, um, you know, you have Hero now eligible to be traded on his extension, you would probably still have a draft pick. Um, you know, you would have uh, Jovic, um, like have assets to make the next move. That's kind of what I want. Like, get the guys in that make sense and then have follow up moves available to go. So that's why I think most people are saying like the heater two to three moves away. I mean, they're to be honest, uh, LJ, they're four to five moves away. Like they're not, this isn't a team where like they make one move and they're going to be um, uh, in the contention for the championship, but you basically want to make two moves to shuffle the deck this, this in, in 11 days, 12 days, those two moves would hopefully get you to a point where you have, Got Duncan Robinson far away from my team. I never want to talk about him again. I wish him well wherever he ends up. Utah. I mean, anywhere white would be great for him, I think. Just kind of turn around a little bit. So, like, a Utah. Uh, I don't know if Detroit. But Detroit would work. Um, you know, Indiana. Something like that. Just get him away from my team. So, if you can turn, like, Duncan Robinson. I'm willing to move Caleb Martin at this point. I don't think he... Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to retain the value that people thought he had. Like, I'm willing to move him, and he's. They don't have that many salaries to move. They can move Duncan. They can move Caleb. They can move any of the, um, any of the undrafted guys making around like 1.8 million. Those were all, those would all be uh, easy to move. They'll move Deadman because it's an expiring, and that's about it. Um, they can obviously try to move Kyle. That was interesting timing right after the game that there, <laughs> there was the rumor that Kawhi wants a point guard in LA. So, I mean, they should like Pat Riley and Jerry West have worked together before. Um, he was, he, he was actually part of the reason we gave them the draft pick. Um, so that Jimmy got here, that was, he was part of the four team trade. So they've worked together before. Uh, if they really want Kyle and that's something Kawhi wants, you just do that trade. I don't care who we're getting back. <laughs> like it does not matter. Um, you take two wings and you do the best you can with a, with a hero, uh, Vincent, uh, you think you can get a four in that, in that move for Kyle? Because in, in theory, if you do the, the Sexton move, which I'm a huge fan of, and I would obviously prefer Vanderbilt to be included in that deal, because that just makes so much sense for Miami, a young athletic or not even wing guy, guy who can literally get some rebounds for you. I know he's not, he wasn't included. I know Utah wanted more than one pick from Miami. Miami was reluctant to do that, which is why we, haven't heard any news on that front, but let's just play hypotheticals. If you put, if you punch that in and you have Kyle or uh, Sexton, Colin Sexton running your offense, you would obviously ship out Kyle. But I, in my mind, you only do that for a four. You would only move Kyle's contract to get a four. Um, no, I do not care. Um, 
if there's a team that calls and says, we want Kyle Lowry and we're not expecting anything more than a second round pick to make that happen. Uh, I'm making that deal. I don't care who it is. Um, you know, the rumors have been floating around about D'Angelo Russell. That makes the team better. I don't care what you think about Russell. He's better than Kyle. Um, if you turn Lowry into any contract that expires next year, you're essentially breaking his contract down. That's easier to move. You can make follow-up moves that make more sense. And I just think he is – I think there's a lot of like – there's a lot of weight on the team's shoulders when Kyle's on the team. He was their big offseason acquisition last year. They traded for him. Um, Jimmy wanted him. He's his friend, and he just hasn't worked out at all. So, you know, they put a lot of eggs in the Kyle Lowry basket, and they have really come up short. In that, you know, I think people were thinking, every, I, this is kind of how I think it happened. You know, if you could upgrade from Goron, it made sense. No one was no one was too attached to Precious, so it's not like the Heat gave up a lot for that move. The three-year deal everyone was nervous about, and there, you know, it was a lot of guaranteed money for Lowry. But I thought they were kind of thinking, man, if we can get two years out of Kyle, then that third year is a big expiring, and it is what it is. Um, the Heat got like a quarter. Seven, I was going to say seventy-five percent of one season. So, you know, it's been bad. Um, it's not even that. It's so the and for me, it wasn't even like getting injured is not something you can usually control. So I wasn't really faulting him for that. It was like when he came back and just some of the decisions he made, especially two of them that I recall from game seven. And I was at that game against the Celtics. Just like, this guy is not, is not it. And so that's where I'm at. If they can move him for anything, it's going to be worth it. It doesn't matter who they get back. Um, if a team, you know, we talked about those teams, like whether the Clippers or the Wolves or uh, maybe a Dallas or something, because the Dallas has been pretty quiet recently. There were a lot of stuff uh, talking about them, and it's kind of interesting to see what they do. If those teams would take Kyle, you just do it. Uh, the wings you get back are going to be better. Um, whether it's a four or not is, um, you know, would be helpful to this team, but they really just need guys that can consistently get to the rim, put some pressure on, uh, on the other team's defense, and score and shoot some threes. This team is so bad shooting the ball. I just don't. You know, I don't know where the Heat go, and I don't know what they're willing to risk. My thought would be like they would probably throw in Jovic if the trade was perfect for them. I think they like him, but also understand that like it's going to take a while for him to get to where they want, and they still are on at least for right now where we're sitting today. It's January twenty ninth. We're we're on Jimmy's timeline still. There's been no changes to that. You know, Bam has made the leap, um, but we're on Jimmy's timeline. So while we're on Jimmy's timeline, and while we're here, um. They need to try to win. And I'm not saying to sell the boat or sell everything, but um, they need to try and win. So they need to this they need to take the next few days and make two moves, one involving Deadman's contract and one probably involving some combination of Duncan, Lowry, whatever, and getting some guys back that make sense for the now, even if they're not going to win the championship and looking to the future where you can try and make a quick retool for next year because we can't keep sitting here every year being like great another year of undrafted free agents another Kyle Lowry we just we just have we all have to be better I agree completely I mean any kind of move of shuffling the deck in my opinion is going once I get that notification on my phone if I'm not already glued on Twitter come trade deadline day once I see that Woj tweet or that Shams tweet saying the Miami Heat have traded for blank 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 
I'm going to be up doing my little finger guns going pew, 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 pew. Speaking of pew, a primary sponsor of the basement, Simple Health Advisors, insurance doesn't need to be complicated. You know who you can give a call to or give them an email? Jay Pugh at Simple Health Advisors, my boy James Pugh. SimpleHealthAdvisors.com. You can give them a little ring on the telly too, 321-345-7738. Speaking now of some trades that we can maybe theoretically talk about, some of the two that names that Miami has been linked to as well, um, at least if you read the tea leaves, not just this season, but last season too around the trade deadline, you look at them, both of them balled out today against Miami. Terry Rozier Terry had 31 points. And, uh, oh, look at that. Three-point shooting. He was five for 11. Five threes. That's half as many as Miami had as a team. Then over P.J. Washington, let's look over at him. What did he do? Eh, not much, just 27 points. Three three-pointers. You know, 33% of Miami's total output. Eh, it is what it is. Both of them. Pretty good players that Miami could have used, probably more so P.J. Washington if you're talking about size to kind of solve the rebounding issue, which Miami got out-rebounded by 11 in this game. In case, you were, in case you were keeping tally, I wasn't, but that's completely fine. Harry, what do you think about Terry Rozier or P.J. Washington, two guys who have been linked to Miami very lightly, more so Rozier lightly, more heavily P.J. Washington in the past? What do you think about both of them? Yeah, I've been at P.J. Washington for a while. I think you were actually thinking about drafting in the year. He, um, you turned to a chipmunk? <laughs> Your voice is super high. Harry just, Harry's brain blew up and then just turned into Alvin and the chipmunk's third brother. You have Se uh, Alvin, Simon, Theodore, and, and Harrison. I think it's a phenomenal addition, Harry. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's still going. All right. If you speak, if you speak extremely, like deepen your voice as much as you can. And see if you can give me the little, like, puff of laugh there. If you can give me, like, a deep voice idea. If you can just say P.J. Washington or Terry Rozier in a very deep voice, who do you prefer between P.J. and Terry Rozier? P.J. Washington. That was beautiful. We got it. We got it. That's a perfect place to end the show. We'll let it fester. Guys, thank you much for tuning in, spending some time with your favorite random scrubs. We love having you. Also, be on the lookout later on in the week. We will have a very special guest on for the show, our very first actual guest spot on the Random Scrub Heat podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening in. We love you. Take care. And remember, be good people. Need a stop and a rebound. For you. For three. Oh, my. That was the Random Scrub Heat podcast.